Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot, known locally as a February room, is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite developments, fly rods, and fishing accessories. Tech, precision, ingenuity, legacy. Go to cdfishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Here's your host, Lauren Carnop, and this is The February Room. Welcome to The February Room. Today, my guest is Tom Rolston. He's the owner of Americatown Custom Rods, but full-time school teacher. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, and as somebody who is always making rods, I have to say that you must have some good fishing stories. Sure, there's always good fishing stories to be had. When I thought about one of the better fishing stories, I thought about uh, just kind of what got me into fishing and my early, early, early preschool youth, you know, type age, four, five, six years old was uh, spent in Southern California outside of San Diego. My parents divorced when I was really young and uh, we moved all the way across the country to be with my uh, maternal grandparents who lived in uh, Encinitas outside of San Diego. And my grandfather was a salesman, as many people were in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and, you know, just kind of door-to-door doing that deal. And he had a passion for boat building. He built um, catamarans and trimarans and was actually racing in the Transpac across the Pacific Ocean when I was born. I'm the first grandchild. And so that was kind of where his passion was. And since my parents had divorced... My grandfather became my male role model when I was very, very, very young. And so if you wanted to spend time with him, you were fishing. 
there was no, there was nothing else to do. So he was very passionate about riding his bike and he was very passionate about fishing. So he put you on the little seat in the back of the bike, drive you down to the docks on his bike and you were out on the boats. Now he wasn't building big fancy monster boats by any means. He was building racing boats and then he was building fishing boats. And uh, I just remember my first fishing memory being maybe five and sitting out in the San Diego Bay, you know, bouncing jigs off the bottom with my sister who was probably four or three. And my grandfather said, oh, I'll take the kids for the day. And our lines were tangled all over the place and we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, I couldn't even read at that point. And just the patience that he showed towards me and the excitement that he had for being on the water was something that always stuck with me. And my mom will tell me that, you know, I was very lucky to be his grandchild and not his child because he didn't have that patience with my mom. <laughs> but when it happened to me, I just remember it wasn't really about catching fish. It was about being on the ocean. It was about not seeing cars and civilization. And he just loved the water. And sadly, he passed away when I was about 10. I remember it was the first day of fifth grade. But I just remember learning at a very, very young age that fishing wasn't about the fish that you pull into the boat. Fishing was about being somewhere and doing something where you couldn't think about anything else. He couldn't think about his business or any you know problems that he had. All he could think about was getting those lines untangled and trying to get his grandkids a fish. And that's where my love of fishing really started. Well, and do you feel that his passion of building boats um, somewhat has brought you into wanting to build these custom rods? Oh, absolutely. You know, living in Wyoming, um, sure, I could build hard boats, I guess, or something like that, you know, build drift boats. But um, as you said, I'm an elementary school teacher and we live in affordable housing and I barely have enough room to build rods. Thankfully, my lovely wife tolerates this passion, but, uh, you know, I can't build boats. And since I can't get people out on the water in a boat, it's exciting for me to build a rod that hopefully will go into someone's hands and get them out on the water. And I'm also one of the very proud owners of one of your custom rods. Justin ended up giving me, um, presenting me a rod that says, remember to go fishing for our 11 year anniversary. And I think what's so great about that rod is that for me, I've, um, as a being in the outdoor as a female, I sometimes don't feel that I get the customized product that I would like. And so having that rod in my hand, um, the craftsmanship and also the, for the, like for me, I have huge man hands. So I'm kind of sometimes really particular in the way that my rods feel and the smoothness of the rod is so beautifully done. Just not just visually, but also uh, physically, it feels so good in the hands. And so it has brought me to some really um, amazing places. I feel like I have to take my rod out. She needs to be set free. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it's all about. And, and to hear that makes 
you know, when I'm sitting here in my rod room talking to you and I look at these, oh my gosh, there's probably 70 rods in here that need to be finished or glued up or built in the first place or sent off or mailed. You know, I wish that the stories like yours go to everybody. You know, if, if, if I can put a rod in someone's hand and they say, you know what, it made me go fishing, then I've done my part. You know, as I said, I'm an elementary school teacher. This isn't about making money. It's not about trying to become a millionaire or be famous. It's about exactly what you just said. And to hear stories like that, you know, you don't want to say, oh, it makes it all worth it or whatever. But that's why I do it. There's, there's really no other reason than when somebody has something in their hand that someone made for them, they're going to use it. It's just like if, if your kid goes and buys you a Hallmark card and says, Happy Mother's Day, yeah, that's beautiful and you love that your kid did that for you. But if they sit and cut something out of construction paper and there's misspellings in it and it, you know, it's, it, that's the one that goes on your refrigerator or in that shoebox underneath your bed that you keep forever. And that's what I want. Um, I just had a girl who is a fellow coach at the high school, and she's <laughs> she texted me about a month ago and said that she dropped her rod into Jackson Lake and literally dove off the boat to go in and try and get it and cried and couldn't believe she lost this rod that I made for her. And so I just made another one, and um, you know, you just give it to her because – that's how much it means. If you're willing to jump off, you know, people don't jump off boats after ugly sticks. Ugly sticks make great rods. They're awesome. I own a couple of them, but I probably wouldn't jump in the water after one. But if I knew that somebody made that ugly stick just for me and it had my name on it and the handle fit my hand and it had the colors on it that I want and it was the action that I want, yeah, I'd probably jump in the lake after it. How long does it take you to make these custom rods? Uh, depends what you're after, you know, um, for example, your rod is a five weight with those CD blanks, which I, you know, I'll plug all day long. I think those things are awesome. Um, I would say from start to finish, your rod is probably somewhere between 12 to 14 hours. For me to do something like that, I'd be like, okay, I think it's going to take me a year to get this to you. So the fact that you can bust that out, that with that much craftsmanship is just mind boggling. Tell, tell me about the moment that you were like, I'm going to make a rod. Like, how did you get to that point? Uh, actually, Jess Tuxer and I were in Snake River Angler in Jackson. And, you know, they do fly tying classes and things like that. And I had done some fly tying classes with my son. And um, I saw this rod building. And I was like, hey, that's kind of cool you know uh and so jess and i signed up i think we paid a hundred bucks each and we each made a five weight and i think he made a seven and i made a three weight and we learned how to you know spin cork and wrap guides and glue and you know set real seats and all the things that are involved in it and you know jess is really good at it as well and and you said oh it would take me a year to do it's really not something that you have to have this magical gift for. It's just something that takes time and you just have to sit down and do it. And once you make one, you'll want to make a hundred. Um, so we just took a class and then somebody saw one of the rods that I made and they said, oh, do you want to trade? I'm a knife builder. You know, do you want to trade a couple elk knives for a rod? And I said, sure. <laughs> and then it turned into 
this disaster that I'm looking at around me right now, which once again, I have to thank my lovely wife for tolerating. Have you ever caught a most memorable fish with one of your rods? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, we floated uh, the Stillwater over near Absorki and, you know, flows into the Yellowstone there at Columbus this summer. And I had just, I had probably built 20 of your CD rods. I built a bunch for those casting for recoveries. I had already built your rod. I built a couple for some other people, but I didn't own one. And uh, so I built myself a five weight. And I would say for every 40 rods that I build, I build one for myself. And I was like, okay, it's time. If I'm going to be building rods for CD, I need one. And so we floated uh, the Stillwater in mid-July, my wife and I and our two little puppies. And the Stillwater is really important to me. It's a place where I spent a lot, a lot of time as a single guy and, and just, I learned a lot about myself up there in Montana and we're floating, we're getting near Fireman's Point and it's time to switch and we're in a 14 foot cat. And so rather than pull over cause the puppies will jump out of the boat, we switch on the fly and my wife's rowing and I go to hand her the rod and the reel starts spinning literally mid transfer. So I try to give it to her because, you know, um, chivalry is not dead. And she doesn't want any part of it. She's like, no, you hooked it. You get it. You get it. And so it's spinning and spinning. And it takes off upstream. And there are fish that come out of the Yellowstone into the Stillwater. This is a little early in the year in July, but it was, it was a decent fish. And it takes off upstream. And so I'm working it, and it's just peel in line. And she is kind of panicking. Should I pull over? Should I go to the other side? Do you want me to drop anchor? What do you want me to do? You know, I said, no, you're cool. You know, I'll figure this out. And I see a diversion dam coming up and I know what's going to happen. And I'm sure anybody listening to this has had this where you see an obstacle, whether it's a tree or a stump or a rock. And you're like, that's where this fish is going to go. It's been hooked before. This is what's going to happen. And so it's peeling line and I see it's going and she's, you know, doing the best she can and it goes right into this diversion dam and I point at it and it snaps. I'm in my backing and I just, <laughs> I snap it and she can see the disappointment and I'm not a real, you know, I don't get, you know, two up or two down. I'm pretty even kill guy and she can see the disappointment and it's my brand new CD <laughs> rod. You know, this was the fish on the trip on the river on the beautiful July day with the puppies and like, just, this is what it was about. And it broke off. And <laughs> I was like, all right, we're switching. And she said, no, no, you need to keep fishing. You need to keep fishing. I was like, I need to pull myself together a little bit. So I give her the rod. I re-rig it. And within two minutes she hooks up and she hooked i mean we're teachers so we fish all summer long she hooks the fish of the summer and i gave her the rod i just said you know what it's yours now and it was meant to be yours and if it was meant to be mine things would have worked out the other way but it's yours and that was kind of a beautiful moment where i had taken all of this time to finally customize something for myself and it wasn't really meant to be mine. <laughs> <laughs>
and it was meant to be hers. And it was the best picture and the best fish and the best moment of our summer fishing. Oh, I love that story. It's almost like the rod was like, this isn't my home. Sorry. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find somebody else. Well, I know you just said um, about how you have built rods for casting for recovery. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Casting for recovery is this amazing organization that takes breast cancer survivors and takes them fishing for three days. Uh, In Wyoming, the chapter does it outside of Dubois on the Wind River. And I was actually just there this weekend uh, sheep hunting with a buddy and was thinking about them. And sadly, their event got canceled due to COVID this year because, you know, they're pretty high risk people. But the way that it worked was I was in Thermopolis. My son was playing basketball and I walked out of the supermarket and I was waiting for my son and wife to come out of the store and I was rigging up a rod so that I could go fish the bighorn. And uh, this lady pulled up next to me and said, oh, that's a really nice rod, you know, da 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 and started talking. And she said, oh, I work for casting for recovery. And I asked her what it was and I asked how I could help. And so we talked for a little bit and she said, oh, we have this fundraiser where we auction off various things, you know, people bring in gun dogs and rifles and, you know, rods and things like that. And I said, oh, I'd love to build you a rod. And she said, oh, well, you know, it's it's kind of pro bono work. It's not, you know, we can't pay for it. I said, that's absolutely why I do this. Don't worry about it. Well, we got to talking and she said that she had 15 women coming uh, last July. And I said, you know what? I'll build a rod for all of them. Wow. If they went through cancer and survived, the least that I can do is put a rod in their hands. So when um, you and Justin became involved in CD, I said, this is the place where I need to get these rod blanks from. I don't need to just buy any blank from somebody. I need to, you know, do this right. So we talked and... You know, Justin gave me a great deal on these blanks and these cases, and I spent a bunch of time working, putting together these rods, and then sadly with COVID, it was canceled for the year, but I was able to send them, oh, I don't know, I think I sent them seven rods just for auction to raise money for their um, cause, and I'm happy to do that stuff out of pocket. You know, when people have kids that are sick or medical bills or fundraisers for scholarships or things like that. I'm, like I said, I'm an elementary school teacher that lives in affordable housing. I don't have the pocketbook, but I can take $200 worth of materials and give you something that will sell for a thousand. And that's where I'm happy to do that. I would have given you the 200 anyway, so I might as well give you a weekend's worth of work. And in this case, it was more like a summer's worth of work. But, uh, you know, that's what fishing's about. I feel like if I can give those ladies something that makes them smile and makes them forget for a little while all the stuff they had to go through to get there and makes them happy to go out and fish, then, man, that's the least I can do for the world. You know, I feel like fishing is just a community of people who have 
socially distanced for life. You know, when you're fishing, that's what fishing's about. You know, there's not a lot of people that want to go fishing and stand next to <laughs> They want to go out and they want to enjoy their time, whether it's on a river or a boat or a pond or the ocean. Um, and it was really cool. It was a great opportunity. Hopefully next year I can get rods. I, I have to say, I think it's pretty um, safe to say that there isn't some, I, I think everybody knows somebody close to them that has been affected by breast cancer and close to home. We had lost a family friend due to breast cancer. So um, it, I think the rod also makes me think the one that you gave me, because once I got my rod, it was also with the um, cancer for recovery. And I, I look at that rod and I actually think of her and, um, just went, she went through cancer for so many years and it's a horrible, um, a horrible cancer for a lot of women to go through. And I think that fact that these fishing rods can take people into nature. And it is so true. You really do tend to lose yourself fishing, I think it's a wonderful gift to provide these women a, a gift that gives more than just a rod. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, I think on those lines, um, Justin reached out to me recently uh, about healing waters and taking, you know, military vets and turning them into guides. And so he asked me, you know, he donated these three rods to me recently um, for a rod building competition to, I think one's going to Long Beach and one's going to Denver and one's going to Virginia um, to raise money for healing waters. And, you know, I come from a military family and regardless of any of that, why wouldn't I? You know, now rod building competitions are new to me. That's not really my, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there that build a really, really beautiful high-end, multi-thousand-dollar, you know, pieces of art. And that is a whole nother respect and a whole different... That's not why I'm in the game. But if given the opportunity that, hey, I can do something and raise money for for somebody else, I think what I'm going to do is just, you know, Wyoming the heck out of these things and uh, <laughs> build them out of elk antler and lathe out some, you know, horn and turn it into handles and real seats and things like that uh, and see if I can't make something that's very Wyoming or Montana or Western, as you'd say, uh, that would stick out. My goal isn't to win. I could care less. If I, you know, I was a soccer coach for 19 years and all the trophies and stuff sit, you know, somewhere in fact i don't even know where they are <laughs> um, oh they're in the, they're up in melrose actually they're up in melrose so if you give me the greatest rod builder in the history of the planet it's gonna go sit in melrose i'm more concerned about just trying to raise money and i know there's people out there that build way 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 nicer stuff than i build my job in the world is to put a custom rod in the hands of someone who thought that's only for people who are millionaires and billionaires. Well, and, and, and fly fishing can get expensive. Oh, and that's probably my number one motivation. 
Yeah, and I think it's hard for people who want to get into fly fishing to want to see those price tags in the very beginning. And so I think it's very honorable of you to just dedicate your time, um, especially on a teacher's salary during COVID. Um, <laughs> I think you deserve a trophy in itself just for dedicating all your time for kids and rods and everything that you're doing. Oh, uh, you know, I think the fun part for me is, you know, I, I had a friend um, who built this website for me in exchange for a rod. And uh, so if you go to Americatown Custom Rods, you can't even buy anything. So if you go to Americatown Custom Rods and you click on it and you look around, all you're going to see are pictures of people with big smiles on their face catching fish. You're not going to see a rod for sale. You're not going to see how to buy it. That's not what it's about. I, you know, for me, a custom rod is, hey, you call me and let's talk about what you're fishing for, where you're fishing, what you want it to look like. You know, do you have monster man hands or, do you, <laughs> you know, or are you right handed or left handed? You know, I built a rod last year, actually built four for a guy and his son who wanted spin reels on a fly rod because they liked the action of the fly rod, but they didn't know how to cast a fly rod. And so they wanted spin reels put on it. Wow. And, yeah. Or I build jig rods for these guys in Jackson Lake who catch these massive 30 to 40 pound lake trout. And they want these tiny little three to four foot rods. And some guys want seven guides and some guys want six and some guys want them this far apart. And some guys want the tip cut and some guys want them 48 and 44, everybody has their little picky thing that they want. And that's what's super fun is when people come to me and say, you know what? I love this Fenwick rod or I love this Sage, but, but I wish it did this or I wish it was this or I wish it was three pieces or I wish I could put it in a backpack or, you know, um, those are the things when I'm really making something that's not out there, that's really fun. You know, I've built everything from tuna rods to jig rods to fly rods to spin rods to salmon rods to steelhead, to, you know, and that's what's cool is when people do things that I don't know anything about. I've never caught a steelhead in my life. And people call me and say, okay, I want this eight foot three, but I want the action to be a little heavier and I need extra guides on it because I'm doing this. And that's what's really fun is if you have an idea for what you want and you've never seen it out there or you saw it once or you used to have this rod when you were a kid, those are the things that I can do. How do you find enough time to do all of this? Mm. Well, my mom remarried when I was five and my stepfather who is you know my father for all but biological purposes um was you know he was he worked internal medicine for kaiser permanente long before doctors made any real money and he worked he didn't take time off he didn't do take sick days and when he came home from work he coached our baseball team or my brother's soccer team or he just worked and you know he didn't have summers off like us lazy teachers and he just taught me that there's always something to do 
So whether I come home and I'm coaching after school, which I credit to him, or I'm spinning rods, or I'm wa- even if I'm sitting there watching TV, hanging out with my wife, I'm always gluing real seeds or spinning guides because there's always something to do. You know, America Town started as a brewery. I started brewing at around 19 or 20, and uh, a friend of mine, Chris Walker, and I were driving through San Francisco. I think we were on the way to a baseball game, and maybe we were going through Oakland. I don't know, but we were talking about Chinatown and Japantown and Little Italy and Greek Town and this idea of what would America Town look like in a foreign country. And this is probably like 1990 or 94. And, uh, you know, would it just be McDonald's and strip malls or would it just be, you know, overweight people and overalls? Like, what's the worldwide perception of what Americans look like outside of the United States? And it kind of forced us to look at ourselves, you know, from, from an external perspective. And the thing about American Town is that it was, it wanted to be the opposite of the way that the world perceived America. Um, you know, a lot of people, when you go to other, they think Americans are greedy and everything is about making money and everything is about, you know, your status and being famous. And, and we wanted to be the opposite of that. We didn't care about making money and we didn't want to be famous. You know, our America town was just based on doing what you could to get by and helping people out and just kind of being the guy that would stop when you had a flat tire on the side of the road and didn't matter if you had your nice clothes to go to school, you were going to crawl under the truck and help somebody out. Um, you know, and so America town started, when I started brewing, I never wanted to sell beer ever. I had friends that were like, oh, we could open a restaurant or we could have a bar or we could have a, you know, a music establishment or blah, blah, blah. And I never wanted to do that. And in 25 years of brewing, I've never taken a nickel for a beer ever. And I've traded for artwork and I've done gallery openings and I've done weddings and I've done all sorts of things, but never in exchange for money. I think that the barter system is beautiful. I love it in rod building. I love it in brewing. And so for me, if you came to me and said, hey, I'm a electrician, like, oh, awesome. My wife got this hot tub <laughs> here and it's still sitting in my yard. If you will wire it, I will build everybody in your family a rod. I promise you. <laughs> I just don't like taking money because I don't like putting monetary value on service. Um, To me, it's not about how much I make per hour. It's not about where all that stuff comes from. To me, America Town should be this place where you can still come and, you know, we'll help you out. So, you know, if you're looking for an America Town rod and you want something that's made just for you or for your wife or for your brother or for your dad for his 75th birthday or for your parents for their anniversary or for your neighbor's kid who heaven forbid is going through chemotherapy those are the things that I want to do um I don't want to build you 
the fanciest, beautiful, most amazing rod and sell it to you for $1,500. You know, I want to put something in your hands that you can afford. If you want a super, super high-end rod that costs thousands of dollars made from like, you know, hand-chewed bamboo or whatever, there's plenty of places you can do that. I just want to make something for you that makes you feel like someone cares about you. You know, you're not going to get a rod that's off the shelf that looks like every other one. You're going to get a rod that you will never see replicated again. And that's what it's about. Is there a rod that you have made in the past that is um, one of your most memorable rods that you've made for somebody else? Yeah, there's a couple. I'll tell you two real quick. The first one I had rotator cuff surgery a couple years ago after coaching baseball for years. My arm just finally gave out. And I had rotator cuff surgery, and if you've been through it, heaven bless you. And if you're thinking about it, don't do it. It's awful. But uh, I spent about six weeks, you know, totally limped up, not even being – I couldn't even spin a rod. Like, I couldn't even flip a coin. I was a mess. And uh, I watched the Meat Eater series from Stephen Ranella out of Bozeman from top to bottom a couple times. And when I finished it, I called him and I just said, you know, you've got, you know, a great following. You're probably doing fine. I don't, I'm not asking, I'm not trying to push anything on you, but I just want to build you a rod as a thank you for getting me through rotator cuff surgery. And so we talked for a little while and I was like, well, meat eater, you know, you got to build something out of antler, right? So I found this antler and I laid it down and I got I got permission from Steven to do the meat eater logo on there and he's like I need a three-piece rod that I could stick in a backpack and take to you know the middle of nowhere so I got a sweet three-piece blank and you know just did something for him and I sent it to him and you know he texted me back he's like dude I sent it around the office and people loved it and blah 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 and he sent me a check Wow. Yeah, and I don't want your check, you know. And so I tore up the check and I said, just send me a t-shirt, you know, just give me a meat eater t-shirt and we'll call it good. So he mailed me a couple shirts and a bandana and that was one of the more memorable because I hadn't laved antler at that point. And then through that exchange, I met a guy in Hawaii uh, named Capono who has a, a, a video channel called Shaka Fishing and he is just jacked on fishing. Like, I think, I don't know if I told you, but you know, he could catch anything and he would want to mount it on his wall and he would want to just tell you the history behind it and where the fish came from and what it eats and what it lives. And he doesn't care. He just loves fishing. And so Shaka Fishing is this Hawaiian fishing channel. And same thing as Steven. I was like, man, you are so jacked on fishing. I'm just going to build you a rod. and just the stories of people like Steven and like Capono who love fishing for what it is. They're not out to catch the biggest fish in the world. They're not out to be in the record books. They just love fishing. And that's, those are the people that I love building rods for. And you don't have to be, you know, famous. You could be the guy that lives four doors down from me. And if I see you towing a boat, I'm going to talk to you about fishing. And if you <laughs> me out on your perception of what fishing is, you're probably going to end up with a rod in your hands. Tom, I really appreciate my rod. My, I love my grip. 
I just love the way it feels. And so if someone wants to get in touch with you and talk in case they aren't your neighbor or they, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Just America town. It's just one word, America town, custom rods, um, dot com. And my emails on there, my phone numbers on there. Just call me, text me, email me, you know, it, it's just me. It's not, you're not at a big corporation and I'm going to make something after I talk to you. I don't have 50 rods on the wall that I'm trying to sell. If you go to America town custom rods on the internet, you won't see a single thing for sale. All you're going to see is a bunch of pictures of people stoked on fishing who are happy, whether they're catching a six inch cutthroat out of the hoback or they're catching a 180 pound tuna in Hawaii or, you know, it doesn't matter if you're catching salmon in Alaska. It doesn't matter if you're a worm fishing. I want to build you something where you feel like somebody gave it to you and made it just for you because that's what happened. I'm not a factory. I don't have anything pre-built. All I do is talk to you, talk to me about your budget, and I will do it for you as cost-effectively as I possibly can. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to make money. I'm just trying to get people out there to fish. So go to Americatown Custom Rods, give me a call, give me a text, give me an email, and uh, we'll get a rod in your hands. If you would like to enter the February room, shoot us an email at info at cdfishing.us. Also, remember to subscribe, share, and if we've earned it, give us those five stars. Thanks for dropping by, and remember to go fishing.